to say straight away, this isn't about the beer. Um, This was about the fact that FIFA has lost control of this World Cup. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. Hope you're well. We are produced by Jack Connell, musical producer is Sam Brand. I am Andrew Brand, his father. We're joining each other on Thanksgiving. And we are presented, as always, by DraftKings. Hope you're well. We got a special edition for you today. We have, I wanted to get into the World Cup, a lot of issues about the World Cup. The business of the World Cup, the issue with alcohol at the World Cup. Is it allowed? Is it not allowed? Where is it allowed? What was the deal? What was the deal before? What was the deal coming up? What was the deal when they changed things? All those kind of things, plus an inside look at the U.S. team, their chances as we get into Black Friday and the big game against England. I just thought we'd do a World Cup edition of the business of sports, and I reached out to two people that I thought would be very interesting to talk about it. Nancy Armour, who's over there covering it for USA Today, does a great work about this kind of stuff. And Doug Greenberg from Front Office Sports, who did a long column this weekend about the whole U.S. team experience over the past several years, but also leading up to this year. So they will join us. And without further ado, let's get right to it then. A discussion of the World Cup with Nancy Armour and Doug Greenberg. It's great to have you both. Nancy, I've been reading your stuff forever, especially this week from Qatar. And uh, just great to have your perspective from being over there. And Doug Greenberg article this weekend about the U.S. team, about the history of the U.S. team and the prospects going forward. So welcome to both to the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrew. It's, uh, It's good to be here. I think the best way to start is, Nancy, can you give us a sense over there? We're going to get to the topics of alcohol, et cetera, but a sense of how things are going on day whatever, day four, day three of the World Cup. You're coming from us, I assume, from Doha. Yes. Um, How is it? How's your first three days? It's weird. (laughs) Um, This is my seventh World Cup uh, between the men's and the women's tournaments, and the word that I keep using is inauthentic. Um, there's a vibe at a World Cup that is so incredibly special. It's, it is so much fun. Um, you see fans gathering and, and just, you know, making their way throughout the, the host country and, and just really turning a, a country into a, a month-long party. And you don't see that here. Mm. You see it in, 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 in pockets. Um, you know, like I was at the, the Poland-Mexico game today and, and the Mexican fans just completely took over the stadium. But you don't see that. Um, you, you just don't, you don't see all of the fans. You don't see the, the, the energy or, or feel the energy um, like you do at other World Cups. And I don't know if it's because of the distance, um, if, you know, if people are, if it's too early in the tournament um, or what, but it's just, it's, it, it all feels very manufactured. Are you walking through common areas with different mm-hmm. groups of fans? Like you said, the Mexican fans. And so is there that, that sort of uh, jovial bonding of, of country fans? What do you, yes. what is, what is different than a past world cups? 
Well, to, like tonight's game was a perfect example. The stadium yeah. that we were in is it was it's beautiful and it's it's actually really very very cool. Um, they built it out of uh, stadium container or shipping containers. Oh right, um, so they can move it in and out. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's amazing, um, but there's nothing around it. So oh. the the fans came out of the game and they're just standing there all waiting for cabs or buses or whatever. And there's, there's nowhere for them to go. And there's, you know, there's nobody selling beer, obviously. Um, and you, that's the type of thing that you would see. Like people would come out of a stadium and, and at other, at other tournaments and they would, you know, be drinking or just gathering outside and, you know, going to the, the nearest park or whatever. And there's, there's not that around here because the, the stadiums have really been built out of nothing. Um, there's one that's about an hour North of Doha Again, spectacularly beautiful, but there's nothing around it. So you leave the game and it's, you know, there's energy at the game and then you leave and it just collapses um, because there's there's no way to keep that going um, because there's nothing around the stadiums. If they wanted to keep it going, is there kind of a central plaza or something where, where sort of a gathering where, where fans go? There's a there's a fan fest in downtown Doha. It's it's probably about two blocks. It's part of it is along the waterfront, and then the the, the fan fest with the big screens is about two blocks away. Um, but that's not close to any of the stadiums, so you'd have to make your way downtown, um, which mm. is not not necessarily easy because of of traffic. The metros are crowded. Um, uh, it, it, people are staying in you know in in various far flung places. So it's it's just really hard to have a cohesive, uh, just a cohesive feel because you're, like I said, you're just, you're spread out all over the place. And there's, you know, unless you want to say, pick a day and say, okay, I'm going to go downtown and I'm going to spend, you know, my entire day or night at the fan fest. Um, you're not going to run into really any other fans besides the ones that are at the game that you're at. Hmm. Doug, you're covering this from afar. Is any of this surprising to you? Is this what you expected as well? You know, I was I was hoping to be obviously with the lead up to all of this and, and all of the controversies and 12 years ago when the World Cup was awarded to Qatar. Right. I think everyone was like, oh, this is going to be a disaster. And I think I was holding out hope that everybody that it was going to work out better. But so far, I'd say it's, uh, you know, quote unquote, lived up to my expectations, um, you know, especially from what Nancy's saying. Um, I had the chance to talk to Grant Wall, who's over there. Right. Um, he said a lot of the same things. You know, I've been following along with his coverage as well. And he he tried to wear a, uh, a rainbow shirt into the uh, into the U.S. game. They wouldn't let him in. You know, it's I think I, and as Nancy was saying, like, it feels like it's it's very manufactured. Right. Like they're they're trying to give off this this um, energy that that maybe they were an appropriate world cup host. Right. But I, it just doesn't seem like it's gotten much better 12 years in just from what I've been, or, you know, 12 years later from when they were awarded it, um, you know, from the view from back home, even just from what we're seeing, not on the ground, it doesn't seem like it's going better than expected. Are you seeing that Nancy, where we've, you, you talked about the grant wall, the shirt and being for lack of a better word, detained by, because of it. And, people with uh, any kind of displays being muted. Are you seeing that? Are you feeling that over there? Yeah. Um, it, we're seeing at least one example of it every single day. There was a, a woman who, she actually used to be um, part of FIFA. 
uh, is a whale supporter and she wore, you know, the, the whale, some the some for the whales team is a bucket hat and mm. she wore a bucket hat that's, um, has a pride flag on it and, um, or, or pride band instead of the, the red, yellow and, and green stripes, it's, it's the pride colors. And she wasn't allowed in the stadium and they told her to take off her hat. Um, there was somebody else who was, uh, had a flag of um, the team that he sports, which has kind of sort of rainbow colors, but not exactly. And he wasn't allowed to bring it, bring it into the stadium. Um, Mm. So yeah, we're definitely hearing things like that. To be fair, I don't know how much of that is orders from on high. You know, I I think you can, you can make the argument that, that it could be, but I think it's also, it could be just confusion or the, the security forces not, you know, fearing repercussions for themselves and so not wanting to um do anything you know just immediately like overreacting because they want to you know they don't want to get themselves in trouble like tonight when we went into the stadium one of the media members had get snacks you know trail mix um energy bars and they told him initially he couldn't bring any of it in and then they said that he had to unwrap everything and put it all in the Uh same bag and the, the woman who ran the stadium, you know, she eventually came up and she said, no, 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 that wasn't supposed to happen. So I think there's, there is, huh. I definitely think that there, there, you know, is an edict from the Qatari authorities that, yeah, we really don't want these, um, these symbols shown. But then I think there's also some um, overzealousness on the part of some of the volunteers and some of the workers. So you bring us, we, we got to go back quickly 12 years ago. So they, they get the World Cup. We have FIFA president, former president, Sepp Blatter, even saying last week, two weeks ago, it shouldn't have gone there. Like it was too small. Like, wait a minute, what? And so anyway, as you both referenced, it did go there. And now I thought you made an interesting point, Doug, about living up to or what really is down to expectations. So I guess my question for both of you is, can we be anything but jaded about how this country got the World Cup? No. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I, when, I, when I saw that Seth Blatter statement, I, I just had to do like a, like a double take. I was just like, man, are you, you're going to say that now? now. Like, after all this time, you know, and, and obviously the, the, the whole awarding of uh, the world cup two guitar cutter uh, was what ended up, you know, getting bladder and a lot of those high level FIFA guys out because of the corruption. Right. And I I think the more telling thing is that in the 12 years since, and in the time that bladder has been out, the current FIFA administration has actually done very little um, about this situation. They have, you know, they've, I mean, Infantino, his press conference from, you know, right before the first match was unbelievable. Um, You know, where he was trying to guilt, he was trying to guilt the entire rest of the world into trying to guilt FIFA into like making any kind of statement. And that was just absolutely remarkable. Um, He said all of these, all of those just insane things. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Like this, this world cup more so than any other that I've experienced at least has, it's just been so hard to, ignore everything that's happening off of the field. And um, it's just unfortunate because, you know, the point of the World Cup is for the whole world to be focusing on soccer for a month. And and when you put it somewhere like Qatar with 
not just lack of infrastructure, but also, you know, the, the history of human rights violations. It just makes it and, and the way that this all came about, obviously, um, with the, the migrant workers and the building the stadiums um, that it just makes it difficult to focus on the soccer, which is a bummer because there's there's already been, you know, some really good matches and, and the World Cup almost never disappoints when it comes to the actual quality of play. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. It's it's hard to not be jaded uh, when you're when you're approaching this event. Yeah. And we'll get to the soccer in a minute. Nancy, the the big story, the one that I've leaned on you and the other Twitter the past few days is this alcohol story. Now, listen, my Twitter blew up with all kinds of responses, none as as cogent and informed as yours, which basically said, yes, they assured people they were going to be able to have it at beer and for 12 years and then reneged at the last minute. I've got people saying, listen, they're not a dry country at all. The high rollers are getting beer. They're getting alcohol. There's beer at fan fest. There's beer. Uh, what <laughs> my whole thing is, you know, what did Anheuser-Busch expect? What did the fans expect? What did we expect from afar? If you could take us behind this whole beer Budweiser concert, <laughs> what is and isn't allowed and what's going on over there now? Sure. And I, I think the, the important thing is to say straight away, this isn't about the beer. Um, okay. This was about the fact that FIFA has lost control of this World Cup. Um, you know, when Qatar was bidding and even after they were awarded, they said, we're not going to interfere with your relationships with your sponsors. Um, we're not going to impose our local customs, our local beliefs on this global this global tournament. And they made those promises repeatedly. Mm. And, you know, as the World Cup got closer, things were changing. You know, we, the date of the, the, the start date of the tournament was changing in, in August, I mean, right. three months ago, after all of these marketing plans had been done, after countdown clocks were built. Um, mm. You know, they just randomly changed it. And two days before the tournament, you know, they decided that they weren't going to sell beer. And again, as you pointed out, you can get alcohol here. Um, the, if Even at the stadiums, if you're in one of the suites, there's beer, there's wine, there's, there's liquor. Um, but this was more about the fact that FIFA was not dictating the terms of this tournament. Qatar is. And, mm. you know, I, I, the, the question that everybody has had, and it's, you know, what we're seeing the, the, the day since then is, okay, if they're going to reverse course on this, what else are they going to change their minds about? Because people had been promised that, you know, LGBTQ fans were going to be safe here. We're going to be welcomed here. They weren't going to be harassed. They weren't going to be, um, you know, pursued by security forces. They were going to be able to bring flags into the stadium. They were going to be able to wear pride, you know, clothing with, with pride symbols on it. And we're seeing now that that's not the case either. So this is all about the fact that FIFA has, like I said, lost control of its tournament. This is its crown jewel. And it's basically said to the Qataris, you know, whatever you guys want, we'll defer to you. And that I've never seen that happen with a World Cup. I've never seen it happen with the Olympics. It's it's really just stunning how willing FIFA has been to just acquiesce to 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 everything. And you know, the question is, like I said, what else will they acquiesce to, and and what else is going to have to be given up as the tournament goes on? So, were you aware of these promises from the Qataris that there would be beer sales over the last twelve years? Well. Yes, um, because it, like I said, Budweiser is, has been a sponsor of the World Cup right. since 1986. And if you go to any World Cup, you you see 
bud in the bud in the stands, bud being sold at the stadiums. In fact, FIFA told Brazil um, in 2014, which Brazil had a rule that you didn't sell beer in stadiums. FIFA made them sell beer in the stadiums during the World Cup. Uh, this is obviously the exact opposite. So the I think we all were suspicious or skeptical that the Qataris would let this happen or would go along with it. But, you know, as it got closer to the tournament and they said, no, 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 well, you know, we're going to have it in the stadium. We're going to have it in the stadiums. Uh, you kind of wondered, like, okay, maybe they are going to go along with it. And then at the 11th hour, nope. And no beer at stadiums right now, unless you're in the high roller seats. Exactly. You can get there were there were coolers full of Bud Zero that I saw tonight, but Bud Zero, right? Yeah, no alcoholic beer. And do you do you sense any? I mean, I saw this the pictures of Ecuador in the opening game and fans, Caremo Cerveza. But are you are you sensing a lot of? I mean, revolts too strong a word from from fan bases. I think it's. I, I think everybody was skeptical that that the Qatar that the Qataris were actually going to let alcohol be sold. So I I don't know that anybody was really necessarily surprised by it. I think they were surprised by the timing. Um, so a, as a couple of fans that I talked to said, you know, eh, we just have to adjust. So you know, they'll drink at their hotels beforehand or afterward. They'll drink at a restaurant or a bar or whatever. You know, before or after the game, they just won't drink during the game. Um, and again, it's it's. It's about the beer, but it's not about the beer. Well, let me just, I'm sorry to pick at this because the one thing is when they say no beer, is that a nationwide custom? Because every time I say something like dry, people say, no, no, it's not a dry country. Well, it's alcohol, public consumption of alcohol is public. frowned upon, yes. discouraged. Um, it, you are not allowed to drink in public and it is actually a crime to be drunk in public. So um, yes, alcohol is consumed in this country, but it's done behind closed doors. It's done in the privacy of your own home or your friend's home. It's not done in public like it is in, in you know, the United States or Europe or a lot of the rest of the world. All right, guys, now we get to the soccer portion of this football, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Doug, you've written about the, the U.S. team and their chances. Um I'm going to sort of give you a, a canvas here. Is what did you think of the first match? What do you think of our chances going forward? What do you think of the team in general? So, I am of that the realistic school of thought, or I'm tr I hope it's realistic that this this team, the, the United States men's national team, is the second youngest team in the tournament. Right? They are, um, you know, they're very raw. They're but they are undoubtedly one of, if not the most talented team on paper that this country has ever had. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, they are very raw. They're very young. Um, they don't have a whole lot of World Cup experience. Even This is even uh, Christian Pulisic's first World Cup, which is really hard to think that because he's been such an unbelievable right. you know, role model for the American game for so long. And this is somehow still his first World Cup because he missed the World Cup in 2018. But that's, not, that's neither here nor there. Um, so what I've always, my realistic school of thought is that this tournament needs to be for the United States needs to be just about, you know, having a good showing, right? Just show up, get out of the group. In my opinion, I, I think not getting out of the group, that's going to, you know, not build the kind of confidence they need going forward, especially for a young team like this. 
Um, but I'd say get out of the group. You know, if you can win a, a game in the knockout stage, that would be amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't have super high expectations for this team this year. It's it's building up to 2026 that I'm really looking forward to because that's when the, the World Cup will be coming to North America. You know, you right. look at, like, Christian Pulisic, for example, will be 27 years old. He's 24 right now, but because of the way his birth, where his birthday is and where the World Cup usually is, he'll actually be 27 at the next World Cup. Um, and so that's, you know, still got plenty of good years ahead of him. You know, they've got guys like Gio Reyna, who's super, super young, um, but very, very talented. So I think that 2026 World Cup is what we're looking for, at least in my opinion, is when we can maybe be like, okay, this is maybe the chance that we have to win this. And it, it also depends on obviously things that will happen in the next four years, but yeah. um you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. And I, I guess in terms of that, like with all that context, I think the first match was it, it just could have gone so much better because they, they looked great in the first half, right? They were controlling the game the whole time. Uh, you know, they were getting the much better chances. You know, Wales didn't look like they knew what hit them in the first half and Wales made serious adjustments at halftime and the U S kind of didn't, they just kind of, you know, let it happen. Um, you know, the subs weren't great. And I think the, a big part of this World Cup, too, is going to be, you know, seeing how Berhalter responds, you know, Greg Berhalter, the head coach, responds to having, you know, the top job at this stage and 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 kind of how he handles it. Um, so I think the Wales game, it was a winnable match for them. It would have made the group stage a lot, would have had, made them have a lot less pressure, pressure on the less of the group stage, especially with the England game on Friday. Um and, you know, that England game now becomes much more of a big deal to not lose. Um, you know, if we could get a draw out of England, that would be humongous at this point. Um, it seems like it might end up coming down to goal differential if we lose to England and Iran and Wales loses to England and Iran. So, um, yeah, it's I mean, it's definitely scary. And I, I think that. You know, this Wales game, it, it wasn't the biggest disaster that could have happened, but it could have gone a lot better. And now I think we're just going to have to, you know, this this England game is shaping up to be even bigger than it was. Um, and I, you know, that's something I'm going to be watching uh, yeah. for next week is the ratings that are going to come in from this England game. Because I think, I mean, with the time slot and it's on Black Friday, I mean, this is going to just be this is going to be hopefully like one of the biggest soccer games in American history. And I, I'm just super, super excited to see what happens. Back with Nancy and Doug in a minute. First, a word from Masterworks. Hey, think about it. You're an athlete. Say you're in your rookie year. You're a new millionaire. You're long. You're, you're young. You're living life to the fullest. But you got to think about life after the pros. Too many of these players can't make their money work for them. They get a wealth advisor, they get a team around them, and they want to do something. What about something you can only dream about, like multi-million dollar paintings? You can do this. You can do this. Contemporary art has outpaced this S&P 500 for the last 26 years. When inflation is high, it's one of the only assets to actually appreciate. It was 17.5% last year. So how do you start doing this without spending millions? Well, here's the way. Masterworks. Masterworks lets you invest in multi-million dollar Works of art from legendary artists like Picasso, Basquiat, Banksy. They're not NFTs. Masterworks divides the paintings into shares so you can invest without needing millions. After that, 
They wait for the most opportune time to sell. All you do is get the best results like an exit for 21% just three weeks ago. Heck, six out of seven Masterworks paintings have, have given exits more than 20%. As a result, Masterworks has had to acquire and release more of their art on their platform to meet demand. There is a wait list, but listeners to the business of sports, you get priority access. Skip the line. Go right to it. Masterworks.com. Use promo code BOS. That's masterworks.com, promo code BOS for business of sports, masterworks.com. Back to our discussion with Nancy and Doug. I agree with you on the ratings, even though there's all this football and all these other sports going on. I think that will get people in front of their TVs. And Nancy, that uh, Americans aren't really good with low to medium expectations, right? So I'm no, sure you're over there. <laughs> you're probably over there and everyone's like, yeah, whatever we can do, just like Doug said, and over here, everyone's like, what do you mean we can't beat England? What do you mean we can't get out of the group? So are you encountering that in your coverage as well? I, I think there's a level of, level of sophistication with U.S. fans now that there wasn't um, yeah. the last time the U.S. played England in, in 2010, uh, 2010. Um, and even probably five years ago. Um, and it's part because some of these young Americans are now playing in England, uh, you know, people Pulisic's at Chelsea, um, Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson are at Leeds, uh, Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson are at Fulham. Um, so I think there's a more, there's more familiarity among the American public with not just the U.S. team, but where they kind of fit in the global game. So I think there is a, a little more realism or there is a dose of realism that, okay, England has Harry Kane. They've got two just wonderful young players in, uh, uh, Jude Bellingham and, and Sacco that, you know, it's the level of talent of, of England is just, you know, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, being the chiefs and maybe the Titans or the Jaguars, or that's probably not a fair comparison. The chiefs and Texans. Yeah. They're probably a little bit, a little closer than that. A little better you know? than the Texans. Yeah. A little better than the Texans, but like maybe like the, um, maybe like the Patriots. I'm like, I'm yeah, a Patriots fan and I'm, yeah, and I'm willing to be like the Patriots are not super amazing this year, but they're not terrible. So. But they're not terrible. Yes, exactly. Right. So, you know, I think people recognize that. Are, are Americans still going to go just absolutely nuts and, and on Friday morning are probably going to wake up and think, oh, yeah, we can beat England? Probably, because yeah. that's what we do. Um, <laughs> but I do think that there that, that there's more of a dose of realism and that, that people, you know, if they end up drawing, people would recognize how big a deal that is. If they would lose, people would realize that that's not unexpected. How was the how was the reception or the atmosphere around there after we tied Wales? Well, I will say one thing: U.S. soccer fans need need better songs. Just sing song in USA is is really just lame, especially when you you compare it to the well the the Welsh fans who were singing the entire game, who were super mm. loud. Like I don't know if anybody was left in Wales last night, um, <laughs> but it was a. It, it seemed like the, the 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 U.S. crowd was trying to get going, but couldn't really do it. Um, they got very, 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 very loud after Tim Way scored. Um, but it, it was not a typical raucous U.S. US crowd, I would say. I, I think Friday will be a different story, but um, I also think that there are going to be a lot of England fans there. That's, I've, I've seen a ton of them there, here already. Um, they travel well for any tournament. Um, so I hope that atmosphere will bring out the U.S. fans, too, um, because I think that would be really fun. 
And were you there for this major upset? What was it yesterday or today? The Tunisia? It, I mean, I'm sorry, it, Saudi Arabia? No, I wasn't because <laughs> I looked at the, the match schedule today and thought, oh, Saudi Arabia, Argentina. Pff, I'm not going to go to that one. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> um, so I went to Mexico, Poland tonight. Uh, but, you know, I'm following along and, okay, Messi scores. Uh, Saudi Arabia scored. Huh. Well, I'm sorry, Saudi Arabia scored again? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it was, and I've talked to um, some people who were who were at the game and, and said it was just bonkers because Argentina always travels well, number one, but Saudi Arabia is so close that there were a ton of Saudi Arabian fans there too. Um, right. So it was, I heard it was just a tremendous atmosphere. Hey, back to this fascinating discussion about the World Cup in a second. First, a word from Sling TV. If you're like me and you love watching live TV, Sometimes it feels like TV doesn't love you back, right? Forget about high prices and endless contracts. Here's a way to go. Sling. Sling's the most valuable option when it comes to finding our favorite channels with the best deals for sports news and entertainment. And now you can follow the action on one screen, catch every touchdown every Sunday, thanks to NFL Red Zone available on Sling Blue Plus Sports Extra. Sling is easy to set up. It's easy to use for novices, Luddites like myself, even I can do it. You can try it for half off. Visit sling.com slash DraftKings, all caps, sign up today. Again, you can watch every touchdown, every Sunday afternoon, live with NFL Red Zone on Sling. For a limited time, you get Sling Blue, then you add on Sports Extra with NFL Red Zone, half off your first month. So it's regular $46, now $23. That's right, you get the best deal on Red Zone, so you can catch all the touchdowns at the lowest price with Sling TV. Visit slingtv.com slash DraftKings, all cops. Sign up today. Back to our discussion. Yeah, I mean, you guys both kind of hinted at this, but the the the, the U.S. atmosphere in soccer, and I say this without any um, pejorative involved, soccer was the sport of the future when I was playing 40 years ago. So... It just seems to be the sport of the future every decade. Now, as you noted, Doug, the MLS has expansion fees are going through the roof relatively. It's uh, it's looking good. The group, the big Apple deal about to begin. So there's positive signs. Um, are we bullish on soccer here now? Doug, I'll let you go uh, first. Yeah, you know, what's really funny is when I was putting together this piece um, about soccer in the United States, I... You know, I'm not, to be perfectly honest, like I had always been like a little bit um, hesitant on, you know, speaking too highly of MLS. But the more I was kind of digging into it, the more I was like, hmm, like the MLS is actually building up some really, really good talent. And they've exported a lot of really good talent, too, besides that. Um, and I think that, you know, I I don't see like them competing with the highest European leagues to get like the hottest players. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that that, that they'll ever necessarily do that just because of the seasonal differences, you know, with the, um, with the, you know, MLS essentially having to play in the summer. Um, but, you know, I, I was like very pleasantly surprised. Like you really look at like a lot of these players who have come out on the last, you know, uh, Miguel Amiron, who's playing for Newcastle, uh, he's been their leading scorer. He's been fantastic. Um, you know, a, a, a team like Atlanta United uh, paying paying up for Tiago Almada, who actually just got called up to the Argentinian team. 
um, you know, they actually spent big to bring him in. And, and I think that's because there's been a, there has been a, a big push for American soccer this year. Right. Um, you know, you look at, you look at uh, like Austin FC, for example, Austin FC had been, you know, they, I think they had sold out a record number of matches this year. Um and and I, I just think that there's more of a pipeline coming in from to build up younger talent. And there's just, you know, I, there's a bit more of demand, um, you know, as we kind of get into it. Um, you know, another piece I talked about in there was and this I mean, this helps every sport in the United States, but the wide availability of legal betting, um, yeah. that's that's going to help a lot. You know, the American Gaming Association is estimating that 20 and a half million Americans are going to bet on the world cup. Um, and I mean that right there, that's, that's a humongous view. Like that's just a huge viewing audience. Like, um, you know, that's huge involvement. And so, yeah, I think culturally people are, are really starting to build this up, even though, as you said, and as I've heard it a million times, yeah, it's been the sport of the future for 40 years. Um, but it's just kind of been this, this slow climb and, and, uh, you know, social media has definitely done a, done a really good job of, of kind of building it up as well. I, I think we also have to be conscious of the comparison. I mean, yeah, it's, we've been talking about this for, like you guys said, 40 years, but MLS is only 25 years old, I think, uh, mm-hmm. not even 30 years old. Um, and I think, you know, we tend to, to compare whether it's MLS, any of the women's sports to, the NFL, the, the NBA, Major League Baseball, as they are now, as opposed to, right. okay, where were these leagues in, in their 25th year or in their, their 12th year, whatever it is. Um, I, I think it's going to be the, I think there's going to be a sea change after 2026 with the World Cup in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, because I think, you know, we saw that obviously after 94, having the men's world cup there. And then in 99, the women's world cup in, in the States, you know, we saw just a flood of kids playing and soccer really taking a, a very large jump. And I think now, like Doug said, with social media, TV, everything more, um, I think that there's going to be another massive jump after 2026. And especially because you do have this, this team that is so young, they're very charismatic, um, just a ton of good stories and you're going to, we're going to be seeing them for the next four years. Um, so I think that's going to make a big difference too. And so much will depend, right. If they get out of the group, you know, if they continue the, the momentum builds, the longer they're in, of course, that's an obvious statement, but you're right. All right, guys, time for predictions (laughs) first on the U S and then overall, Doug, start with you. Okay, so how like how far do I think the U.S. is going? Yeah, and if you want to pick them, you know, in the oh, finals man. as well. So, yeah, let's see. Okay, so i I do think they're going to get out of the group. I think that I think they'll be able to do that much. Like I said, the getting a win over Wales would have helped a lot, but I see them getting out of the group, probably second to England in the group, which means they'll get a tough draw. You know, getting that that first round knockout round win would be, I mean, that would be so much. I think that would be humongous, especially if it's against a big name opponent, like it very well could be. Um, I, I think, I, and I'll and I'll be optimistic, and I'll say they'll win that one game, but then they'll probably go out after that. Um, so I'll be optimistic in that one. In terms of a prediction, um, I'm a betting guy. 
a lot of people know this. This was my first, my first job at front office sports was writing. So I actually took at very long odds. I took Belgium to win the whole thing because um, they haven't gotten a ton of respect despite being like, this is the last chance kind of for their, maybe not the last chance, but this is kind of their golden generation. Right. Um, Kevin De Bruyne is the best midfielder in the world. They have Thibaut Courtois, who is a world, a world-class goalkeeper, um, and I was just shocked to see how far down they were in the betting odds. I don't necess- I, I don't know if they are like, yeah, Belgium's winning this thing. I just liked it because it was a good value. But if not Belgium, it's so hard to bet against Brazil. I mean, that, that team is so talented. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that obviously they'll adjust to the heat well. I know that's been a problem. That's been a thing in cutters. It's been very hot. Um, and, and like I said, Brazil's, it, it feels like it's been... I mean, I know they won in 2002, but it feels like there's when Brazilian football is not performing at like the very, very highest level, it almost feels like there's something wrong. So it feels like Brazil's like finally ready to come back. They, for what it's worth, they were the betting favorites going into the tournament. Um, So that's what I'm saying is, you know, my betting pick was Belgium, but my heart and my brain probably says Brazil. Um, What What were the odds on Belgium, by the way? What did you get in at? I got them at 19 to one. Um, that was, I had to shop around for that line, but I was seeing it at like 16 or 17 most places. Um, whereas Brazil was coming in at like four or five to one. Yeah. Yeah. So. Nance. Um, I agree completely with Doug on his U S prediction. I think they get out of the group. I think they get out second. Um, I actually had them. Cause I think they would get in Netherlands, the Netherlands in, the round of 16 and I actually mm. picked them to, to win that one, wow. but then losing the quarterfinals. Um, we'll see if that happens or not, but I think even just getting out of the group is, is a good thing for them. Um, I had picked Argentina to win it all. So I don't think you want to take my picks for, <laughs> for, you know, to be worth anything. Um, I do think that they'll, that they'll rally and I still think they'll get out of the group, but you know, we'll, we'll see on their next game day if this is going to shake them a lot or if they'll be able to just put it behind them and, and roll over Mexico and, and Poland in their next couple of games. Last thing, Nancy, I'm, I'm probably more listeners are curious like me, sort of what's your, what's your beat over there? Are you just, are you picking the games you want to go to, as you mentioned earlier, are you covering the atmosphere? Like we've talked about both everything. I was going to say yes. <laughs> um, primarily, I'm primarily on the U.S., um, but then I'm I'm picking up other games. Um, you know, doing columns and, and stories on on things that are that are happening or, or themes that are developing throughout the tournament. So a little bit of everything, which is fun. I, I love that part of it. And how are they? We talked about the atmosphere there. How is media being treated? Um, fine. Um, well, actually I, I take that back. There was a, a Danish TV crew that was, yeah. uh, accosted, uh, before the tournament began, but I think they, the, the authorities have realized that that's not a good look for them. Um, so they've, they've been pretty much hands off, but like I said, you know, everyone is, is kind of operating with the assumption of anything can change on any day. And we kind of are expecting that. So, you know, we'll see if that goodwill continues. Are you there through the month? I'm here as long as the U.S. men are, so oh, okay. we'll see. <laughs> so you're hoping they go far, <laughs> stay a little yeah. longer, or maybe maybe, not. maybe maybe you're okay with them getting out early. <laughs> and how how hot is it? 
It, the first couple of days, it was it was blistering, um, but it's cooled down. There was like a windstorm that that came through a couple of days ago, and it's it's dropped. Um, you know, look, I'm in a sweater tonight, and I was perfectly comfortable at the game. So it's probably upper 60s, low 70s, I would say. And during the day, maybe around 80. Um, some days can be a little hotter than that and a little more humid, but it's it's temperate. It's it's not been. It's not been bad, and certainly not as bad as it was the first couple of days. And now I'm thinking all these things. And do you, as a woman, do you have to cover skin? Um, it's recommended that all rules have kind of gone out the window with the World Cup. You see people wearing everything. Um, okay. So, but I do at some stadiums and some places. I have to go through a separate security line because you know, God forbid, I, I should get wanted by a man. Um, and it's it, we're definitely. Definitely second-class citizens here. <laughs> you sense that? You feel Oh, that? yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, for sure. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Anything I'm missing? Any last comments, Doug, Nancy? Any little tidbits, Nancy, from there that... I, I think one thing that, that I'm going to be fascinated by is, you know, Qatar wants to be a major player. In, in at least in this part of, of the world. Um, and it's, sports is a big part of that. Um, you know, they've gotten this World Cup. They want an Olympics. Mm. I'll be curious to see how how much damage this has done to their wants for that because <clears throat> I can't see a lot of the, spon- the, the main Olympic sponsors being willing to put up with this kind of uncertainty and, and knowing that, you know, if... Visa has an ad campaign that the, the Qatari authorities don't like that, you know, they'll yank their ads or, or whatever. Um, I can't see them wanting to go along with that. Um, you know, it's, it's, and they also want this world cup to open, you know, make them a tourist destination, much like yeah. Dubai has become. And I'll be curious to see if this has turned people off. Um, you know, I know the people that back home that I've talked to have said, you know, God, yeah, I wouldn't want to go there after all this. Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting that you know they wanted this as as their big coming out party and it's be careful what you wish for. Exactly. Yeah, I mean as you've as you've provided some of the some of the press and media has not been great. No, and that's you know it, the other thing that's just shocking is it, some of these decisions that they've been making are so stupid because if you had just not blown it up, it would have just gone away. You know, nobody would have even noticed it. And instead you're calling attention to it and you're making it a bigger deal. So it's lingering and it's, you know, we're just going to keep reporting on it. And then that brings up the old stuff of the migrant workers and the deaths under construction, et cetera. Yeah. Yep. All kinds of problems. Any final thoughts, Doug? You know, I, I get just on that last point, I would just say, um, you know, if they wanted it to be a coming out party if they wanted the world to see how great a place cutter was then maybe they should have made some efforts to make things better yeah um you know i i'm not one to i I don't you know want to judge their culture or anything like that but yeah it's you know they i don't think you can have it both ways if you're you know oppressing people's rights and um you know, and literally having workers die under your watch and you basically do nothing about it. Um, I, I think that's, it makes it difficult to 
kind of spin that in a positive way. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, I don't think, it, you know, maybe it's not exactly going to, going according to plan. I can't see, you know, for as many mistakes as the International Olympic Committee makes, I can't see them wanting to make that same mistake that FIFA made. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's my only thought on that. Yeah, I mean, they obviously wanted to show they could host a huge event. And as you said, Nancy, kind of an Olympics uh, primer, but it's probably not a good bet right now. <laughs> no, no. What we've seen. And, and there even have been problems with, you know, the, the, the ticketing system yeah. uh, crashed one day. I, I mean, there have been problems that when you had 12 years to ramp up for this, yeah. these things should have been figured out long ago. And so that's that's another um, negative checkmark for them. It almost seems like they spent those 12 years making sure they wouldn't lose the games in terms rather than logistics. You know, just make sure no one's going to steal this. We really did it. It's really happening. It's not a dream. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they did build some nice stadiums. The metros are, yeah. are beautiful. Um, their highways are nice. But, yeah, some of the, the finer details, they, they seem to have forgotten or overlooked those. <laughs> well, it's been really informing and entertaining for our listeners and myself, especially. I really appreciate this. Doug Greenberg, Front Office Sports, and Nancy Armour, USA Today. Really appreciate you guys joining the Business of Sports podcast. Great discussion, and that'll do it for this week's edition of the Business of Sports. I really wanted to get into the World Cup with the right people, talking about the right topics. I know it's a lot over there with like the biggest event in the world, but hopefully we hit what what was important and hope you learned a lot and were informed and entertained. My newsletter, as always, go to andrew-brandt.com, sign up. If you want to get my daily videos along with a weekly meeting every week, go to andrew-brandt.com slash SBL. That's the Sports Business league twitter andrew brandt instagram where i do these daily reels andrew brandt too and of course if you like the podcast do a couple things give us a rating and give us comments or welcome and of course share with a friend spread the word about this hopefully unique podcast thanks to my producer jack connell thanks to my son sam brandt for the musical interlude you hear under us and thanks to you for listening We'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.